For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. BBN, here we are for another episode of Believe in Kentucky, courtesy of Believe.com, Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We got from the Cats Pose, AG, Aaron Gershon. My name is Vinny Hardy. We got our resident QB1, Jalen Whitlow in here. Fellas, how y'all doing? And Jalen, man, you got us a guest in here too, so we got to let you Tell the people who you done brought in to enlighten us tonight, man. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, uh, a guy that I always liked, always respected. Um, you know, I remember he came in and, uh, you know, I, I immediately was like, man, this, this guy throws a sweet ball. And uh, I remember my dad coming to a spring game was like, man, he, he does throw a sweet ball. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I like this dude, man. He's a good dude, good energy. Uh, you know, again, a fellow quarterback. I'm biased over here, so had to get my guy Reese Phillips on, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I was wondering what that intro was going to sound like, so I appreciate that. That was good. <laughs> oh, man, always a big Jay Witt fan, man, always. I appreciate you, man. appreciate you. Always. I knew I was going to let him do the intro. I was gonna yep. that was good, man. That was good. That was good. <laughs> we was all alone for the ride. <laughs> Yeah. Well, fellas, man, and we can't wait to get y'all's insights. And, and AG, man, you cranking out content on the Cats Paws like a madman this week. So Yeah, it's a long week, Basketball Media Day Tuesday. And, man, Monday I almost forgot to show up at Stoops because we had the bye week last week and it's running together and all that. But, no, it's been good. It's a fun week, and uh, I'm really excited to get to Knoxville. This should be a lot of fun. So you guys, we got two guys on here who have been through bye weeks and start back getting into the groove after the bye week. So what's that like for the guys? What I mean, y'all have been in that position. What has this week ramping back up for Tennessee been like? Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's unique because, you know, usually – not a, you know, not a lot that you coming off a of bye week and you got to play the number three team in the country or you know number two team in the country or whatever they are. Um, coming off a of bye week and you have a rival, um, you know, coming off a of bye week and you get got a lot of guys back from injury, and you're playing a away game at your rival and college game college game day is going to be there seven o'clock game. So I think it's you know I'm sure they had a little more urgency during the bye week than most people have because you know you're getting ready to play somebody who. You know, it could be really, really good if you beat them, 
uh, or, you know, anytime you lose to a rival, it's not good. So, you know, a little more urgency in that, if I had to guess, um, from what I hear, they let, they allow, you know, Levis to sit and Chris Rodriguez to sit in the bye which is smart. Yep. There's no reason to, you know, bonafide guys. There's no reason to risk them during the bye week. Let them heal. I think that was good. But, yeah, I mean, bye weeks were always uh, – it's, it's always tricky as a coach uh, because, you know, there is a such thing as too much rest and there is a such thing as going too hard on the bye week. You know, so it's a happy medium you got to find. It's a balance in there that you got to find. And we'll see. I mean, you get some teams that come out, you know, on fire after a bye week. But most teams come out and it takes them a couple drives to really get the rhythm back. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, they got a veteran quarterback, veteran running back. Leadership is very veteran on the team. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll be – I think it'll uh, it'll benefit them, especially with the injuries that they had. And Flax is back too. That always have to have when you're starting tackles. So uh, that, that's kind of my perspective of it. It's, it could go either way. It was always good for my right shoulder, though, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> to just give it – you know, just give it a couple days of, of, uh, of rest. So um, – you know, that's just kind of my perspective on it. No, uh, well, Jalen, too, with the legs, you know, he was running back there like a madman. But I think the, a good point, though, is the leadership, right? This team's got really good leadership. I'm hoping I'm optimistic. Obviously, last year, I, I felt like the bye week last year was kind of what did in, in a lot of ways. We, we had a lot of really go, good momentum going into that bye week, hit the bye week, and like Jalen's saying, right, it could go either way. Um, I think. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about this one off the bye week. I'm, I'm feeling like with Levis, a year in the program, he remembers what happened last year, obviously, against Tennessee, and, and just that last half of the season after the bye week. Um, so it definitely could go either way. But I'm optimistic that leadership, like Jalen said, you got to kind of lean on that. Stoops even said that in the pressers, AG. I know, you know, kind of a few days ago, you know, that kind of thing, his call in show. Mm-hmm not this past Monday, but the one after the Mississippi State win. So he's he's trying to, you know, walk that tightrope. Yeah, and I, and I think this year was – they were – they're so banged up going into this bye week. I know last year, you know, they were coming off the Georgia game, which was a tough loss, but they felt like they're – you know, a couple of plays left on the board, a couple of stops they could have had. Maybe the game's a little different, but man, they were just, they're just so beat up. Uh, they were so beat up going into the bye week. Obviously, you know, Will already had the turf toe issue. Then you have the shoulder. Uh, Tavion Robinson didn't play against Mississippi State. Jeremy Flax, you know, went out after the, I think it was the second play from scrimmage after missing, you know, the South Carolina game. So they really did need this week. Um, and I do think it's better you know, that they were coming in off a win, you know, get some confidence back after, you know, that South Carolina game, how ugly that was. So, um, it, all you know, I, I've seen the vibes pretty low at some of these pressers this week, like the week after the South Carolina game. I mean, that, uh, there was very low energy in that building, which made it, you know, even more a little, not surprising, but encouraging that they were able to rally and play well against Mississippi State. Um, but, you know, the energy is really high this week. From what I could tell, there's a quiet confidence. Um, they know what's ahead. And um, I've been very encouraged from what I've heard this week. And the fast start, I think, is, is yeah. the key. We, we saw them kind of struggle coming out at Florida, 
Every game. Every single game this year. <laughs> you build deficits and you claw back. You end up kind of kind of making it the, their type of game, but yeah. you got to hold a dig out of. This coming Saturday isn't the game where you want to get get down or get punched in the mouth. You got to kind of weather the storm in this one and, you know, get through that first quarter or whatever and, and you know, let Tennessee kind of settle down and not be so jacked and, like you know, hear the NBA playoffs all the time. Just weather the storm, and that, that's really what they got to do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, they have not scored first. They've scored first only once this season. That was Youngstown State, and obviously Youngstown never scored. Uh, every other game they've played from behind. That so all four of their SEC games, you know, they fell behind by double digits. Uh, you know, to Ole Miss, to South Carolina, never recovered. Uh, by nine at Florida. So they can't afford to play from behind in this one because uh, Tennessee will lap you. And I think the other thing um, this week that's going to be so important is you got to get to the quarterback. They've only had 10 sacks this year. That's second lowest in the SEC. But, man, those plays that Tennessee the, loves to have are those deep balls, and those take time to develop. Obviously, they're quick to the line of scrimmage, but any deep ball is going to take time to develop. And if, you know, Hooker's got time in the pocket – uh, he's gonna make he's gonna make you pay. Uh, so you got to get in there and disrupt him, and you also got to do what you've been good at this year and limit those scrambles. So I think the fast start and defensively, man, putting pressure on Hooker, those are the two keys for me. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're playing at Tennessee again. You can't simulate one hundred and ten thousand. I mean. <laughs> It's impossible. I mean, you can. I don't care how close you put the speakers behind a quarterback in practice. I mean, you just can't. You can't simulate it. I mean, so with that being said, it's always the defense always get the communication benefit when they're playing the away game because the offense is the crowd is quiet, so Tennessee's offense can operate. So uh, the offense obviously is going to get the noise. They're going to get the band. They're going to get the noise. How do you how do you operate in that? Um, how are you prepared to operate in that? Obviously, they've been preparing to go silent count uh, and all of that good stuff. But at the end of the day, this game comes down to keeping the ball out of hand and Hooker's hand. If the offense can sustain drives and, you know, kind of keep that offense on the sideline, you know, and you heard Rich Gangarillo say it the other day, I mean, it, you know, that's the key to the game, essentially. I mean, and he even said you can easily get ran out of the building. Those are words that he said if you don't do that. Um, and obviously Tennessee has that fast break type offense where, I mean, you're playing Golden State at the end of the day. You know, you're playing the Golden State Warriors. You can blink an eye and they could be, you know, 20 points, right? So you got to try to play some ball control and kind of be smart about what you're doing. But to do that, at the end of the day, it comes down to execution. You got to move the chains on offense. Again, Tennessee's defense is like seven on seven against most teams. At the end of the day, they're 129th in the country. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, again, this is with quarterbacks over here, man. I'm looking forward to, you know, Levis throwing the ball early and often. Contrary to what most people may think when it comes to a ball control game, uh, I'm looking forward to them being able to take advantage of what's in the past game. And that'll in turn open up the run, in my opinion. So I think uh, I think that it'll be good to exploit. Again, they got guys injured in the back. Uh, they got two. I think they got a safety or two out at Tennessee. Uh, so this is perfect to uh, 
you look, you got Barry on Brown, Tavion back, you know, let's, let's use those guys and let's get your horses running, you know, downfield, man. Early, early play action is what I, is what I would like to see. But again, oh, Hey, look, I, I came to the right spot because that's exactly what I was going to say. I, you know, it, it's, it's Stoops MO to control tempo, run the ball, all these, and then, and then we're great at it. Right. We are, but I think obviously the, the play calling is where it's going to live. It, it's I want to see us throw the ball, right? We we almost have to come in trying to do what Tennessee is going to do because you can control it all you want. They're going to score. They're going to score fast. It's just, you have to accept that and be willing to almost lose giving it all you got in the air, right? Because you're not. I just don't think you're going to win this type of game on the ground trying to control the clock. You might work for a little bit, but they're going to take off, man. So it's like you're going to have to match them. That was one of the things at Ole Miss specifically. I'm sure I'm not the only one that was just I, I was I felt like, hey, we were trying to force some things. We got a lot of young receivers, man, let them go play. Right. I would have seen I would have rather have seen us lose that game based on us trying to stretch the field a little bit more. And Tennessee, we go out and we try to stretch the field and match that kind of tempo and that effort. We lose. You know, I, I would rather accept that than, you know, playing ticky tack, handing it off the whole entire game and, and just trying to kind of stay in it. Um, I want to see us try to win it. You know, that's that's kind of I'm, I'm sort of with Jalen on that one. Come here, AG. No mute, mute it, man. My bad. Um, my question to that for you guys would be, you know, obviously, yeah, you definitely want to take shots against the secondary. It's 130th in the country. You know, it's given up like 370 yards a game. You know, Anthony Richardson doesn't have more than 200 passing yards in SEC play at 453 on these guys. So, you know, they struggle against the pass. But, you know, isn't this a game, you know, obviously you want to establish the run and passing it helps, but it just feels like time of possession. If you could have another game and it's going to be hard to do like you did against Mississippi state where you had the ball for almost 40 minutes, you just want to keep Booker off the field as much as possible. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's a tough thing. You want to have those explosive plays and get the passing offense going, but you also want to possess the ball and have those, you know, those tiring 10 play drives on a defense. It's, it's going to take perfect play calling. I mean, it's yeah. just, it just is what it is, right? Because yeah. you're right. I mean, you want to control the tempo. That's that's what you want to do. I guess I'm just sort of looking at it from, you know, hey, I look, I live in Tennessee. I've watched every single one of their games. All my family are Tennessee fans, so kind of where I grew up around. So I've, I've watched a lot of their games. And it's just really being realistic that I don't know if, if you're going to be able to do that like you did to Mississippi State at right. Neyland Stadium. That's also – if you're at home, it's a little bit different. Um, but I'm with you, man. It, it's a, it just has to be a good mix. You definitely want to get C-Rod involved on the ground, control the tempo. If that's successful, like I don't know if it will be right away, but if it is, yeah, you right. stick with it. Um, so it's a good point for sure. I mean, there's got to be a happy balance. Because you know, last year, last year, Kentucky, you know, dominated time position. You know, yeah. 45-42 game, the pick six was the killer. That was the difference. But, Yep. They were scoring in, you know, 50 seconds. And Kentucky <laughs> was going methodically down the field, kind of like yeah. the blueprint, what you're talking about, Aaron. And, and it still just wasn't quite. Yeah. Well, the problem was last year that they had two drives where they just gave up. You know, the first drive of the game was the first play. First of the play, game? first yeah. play from scrimmage. Yep. Yeah. You, I mean, that's, I mean, and, and Brad White said it today. Yeah. Their whole game plan is to isolate you. I mean, I mean, they put, I mean, you would have thought it, you would have thought it was, 
you know, Allen Iverson running routes against <laughs> Michael Jordan back in 96, whatever year that was. <laughs> I mean, the, the safety for Alabama, man, they isolated them. And the splits isolate you. And, again, you know, I, I live in a high school world when it comes to coaching football, and it's the, the same applies for college. You take – you remove the defensive coordinator out of the game when you tempo it and you're able to move the ball. You you now you now have to rely on whoever's your signal caller on defense, whether it's your mic, whether it's your safety, whoever is doing most of the communication, they now become the defensive coordinator. And we always had the thought process of, yes, let's make a 16, 17-year-old high school kid call the defense because we're moving so fast. That's what you know what you want to do. And the same goes for a 21, 22-year-old linebacker or safety plan for Tennessee. Um, if you can throw some of that in there, you know, and kind of almost play their own game against them at times, I think it could benefit them. You again, like Reese, you know, I'm with Reese on this. It's gonna take, it's gonna take very good offensive architecture, you know, play calling to to be able to uh, consistently create points, you know, because that's what you're gonna need. Again, can, I mean, Kentucky's defense can play very well, and I think they will. I always said that Henry Hooker's due for a bad game. You know, every quarterback is, right? Every quarterback is due for a bad game. So, you know, is it going to come Saturday? And how does, you know, Brad White and the defense, how do they kind of create uh, opportunities, you know, for Kentucky's offense to get back on the field? Which, you know, at the end of the day, creating them, you know, turnovers or three and outs and making a punt. How do you do that? I think you've got to you got to affect the quarterback. I mean, everybody yep. knows that's that's ABC one two three man. You gotta you gotta hit them. You gotta affect them, um, and you know and kind of again, it's almost one of those things where you know you just say okay, let's just go balls to the wall, let's pressure the hell out of them on offense. Let's 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 let them hang, man. Let's you know let's play ball and see what happens. You know because at the end of the day, um, you know the result is going to be the result. If you lose, you're going to wish you would have done something more aggressive. All coaches do. We wish we would have kicked the onside kick here or surprised onside kick or went forward on fourth down here. Everybody has that regret. You know, at the end of the day, I think the Tennessee's mentality on offense is and Josh Heupel's mentality as a coach, they everything that's that's borderline, they go for it if you watch it. Like, they, yeah. they go for it. Anything that's borderline, whether it's fourth and short, third and short, or, you know, not third and short, but fourth and short, or, you know, should we kick a field goal here? Everything that's right on the line, that's, you know, that's kind of teetering, they always go with the more aggressive choice yep. every single time. And I think they're going to do that on defense as well. You're going to see a lot of cover one. You're going to see cover zero in a lot of situations too. So um, it's at the end of the day, it's a battle of philosophies. So, you know, are we going to stick to that philosophy or not? And, you know, at the end of the day, I heard somebody say this other day, if it's a good call, if it's, if it's a good play, then it was probably a good call. If the play don't work, it was a bad call. You know, that's how people see it. So, you know, you got to live with it regardless. So why not live with it being aggressive? So is it is it kind of like, you know, those those full court press teams don't like to be pressed. That's kind of what y'all are saying. Maybe they won't, they don't like to get tempoed, even though they tempo everybody. Is that, that kind of what y'all are getting at? Well, and I think, with tempo, right? Kentucky's not a tempo team, but you're, you're talking about a battle of philosophies, a, a battle of offensive architecture, you know, that kind of stuff. That's, you know, our, that's our OC's job, right? He, he's not only does he have to prepare 
down and distance plays. He's got a script. This is what I do on third down, first down, second down, second and short, all these different things. But you also got to think, okay, we get a first down. This place is going to start rocking. We need to start moving to the next play. You got to have those types of thoughts and situations in your head, especially at Tennessee at night. You know, they're wearing the, the cute little black jerseys and stuff. So it's like, you know, it's going to be rocking. So you've got to not only prepare for just regular down and distance, but you got to prepare some plays tempoed, you know, like, like Jalen's saying, for that atmosphere. You know, we're not a tempo team, but you, I think you kind of have to fight fire with fire a little bit with Tennessee. What do you have to lose? You know, it, it almost feels like it's kind of their year. What do you have to lose? I'd rather see us go down swinging, if you will. Didn't they tempo a couple of plays against Mississippi State too? They mixed those a little bit. A couple. Yeah. yeah. I was like, whoa. Oh, so I, 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 hopefully I, that's a little, you know, a little yeah. something they were and I think preparing for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think I think that was uh I think that was kind of rich way of saying uh, you know, we can do multiple things. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, and kind of putting that on tape. Because at the end of the day, you put stuff on tape, and again, going back to the coach's mindset. You know, you may put something on tape against a certain team, and it's good against that team, but it also may be good, may be good against a team down the road. And you make other teams take time out of their day and their practice schedule to prepare for it. So um, that's what's that's why that's why philosophies exist, right? They say, okay, Tennessee, really, you know, you know, pretty basic on offense. What but what makes it tough is they have really good players doing it, and they're doing it really fast. All right, Kentucky, good players doing it, but they're extremely complicated to the game plan yeah. against because they're showing you a million different motions, looks, formations. So at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to uh, – I mean, it comes down to who can execute. But, you know, philosophy will play a huge part. But um, I think it will be – I think it would be cool. I kind of wish this was a 330 – CBS game and my, you know, I, I, I wish Florida Georgia was another weekend. Yeah, you kind of you kind of get those students another few hours to intoxicate. <laughs> and I, I was hoping for a nooner, if we're being honest. Yeah, it's hard to put. That would have been in our favor for sure. Yeah, yeah, that would have taken the nooner. That's true. And the hooker's ability to run to spread it all out. Yeah, and I mean, you, we've seen Drew Locke in this offense, and but. He doesn't look to run, but he can. And then there's nobody in the box because everybody's spread out horizontally. Just adds another dimension too to make it like like Stoops likes to say they put a lot of stress on you, and that's just another little layer of stress that they put on defense. Yeah, it's funny. Brad White made a joke today. He's like, "I wish I could have more than eleven guys uh, out there. If there any time you could have a new rule, that would be the time." But yeah, it's tough. That that's why you know you got to get to the quarterback and you got to affect them and keep them in that pocket. But you can't let them sit in that pocket too long because one, you know, his receivers are so good they'll eventually you know make something happen out there. Especially man, if Cedric Tillman comes back, which I'm hearing is most likely going to be the case. I mean, that was their number one going into the year. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, who's, you know, I think he has 12 touchdowns that leads the country. He's averaging 109 yards a game. He was their number three and four, and some places they're four, depending where you look at their depth chart, you know, going into the year. It's just insane the talent they have at receiver. So, you know, if you let Hooker hang around in that pocket, he's either going to find one of those studs out there. Or like you said, Vinny, he's gonna he's gonna take off and scramble. He's run for you know 318 yards this year and three touchdowns, and he's made a lot of a lot of big time play plays on his legs. And that's something that 
you know, Brad White talked about at length today. That's something Jordan Wright, you know, talked about. So, you know, they're aware of it. They know the challenge that it's going to be, but it's just one of those things. It's easy to talk about. It is, you know, been proven nearly impossible to stop. Will will this be uh will this be Stoops' biggest win? And if oh, not, yeah. what it, if not, what is? It, I would say Louisville. Right. Louisville. I would say right now, I think Louisville 2016 was kind of the momentum changing win that he needed. I, I would still say that first win at Florida, getting that monkey off the back, that would be it for me. But if he gets this done today, uh, given the you know what the history of Kentucky, uh, Tennessee is, you know the only win he had in Neyland was. Let's face it, it was a 20% capacity, awful Tennessee team that, you know, with a coach that was cheating the whole time. It so it was, it was a disaster that year for them. So this, would, yeah, back, this would be it. We ain't giving that back, though. <laughs> and I'll, I'll ask you guys, you guys, I mean, is Jalen, we've talked about this on this show. It, it's, a, it's a look, it's one of those games where, you know, I, I don't think Tennessee is going to discount Kentucky, but they got Georgia next week. And you, you got to think that's on their minds in the back of their heads that that trip to Georgia, knowing what's at stake, you know, in Athens, kind of just assuming you're going to win this game. Uh, that's got to be in the back of their minds at least a little bit. Yeah, if I had to guess, you know, but it's one of those things. Again, you know, I know people on here are going to think I'm really biased on this one. But <laughs> I do believe, and I just got off the phone one of my – best coaching friends, one of my best friends, period. But um, I do believe that the way they practice, because, again, I, I, I guess, you know, I kind of know how they do things a little bit when it comes to practice schedule. The way they practice, the way they play, their philosophy, their style of play, it allows them to be able to um, kind of bounce, kind of focus on what's in front of them. Because you don't, when you're practicing that fast, you literally have zero time to think about anything else. I mean, it's it's like boom. I mean, it's it's it's, it's really crazy to watch a team like that practice is crazy. So, I mean, I hope that they're thinking about Georgia, uh, and you know, I hope that they are because that obviously that will help us. And also, it'll help my guy Reese Phillips, man. He lives in Tennessee. He won't have to. Uh, <laughs> I was just about have, to say, man. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm deep in Tennessee territory right now. He won't he won't have to hear that Rocky Top, you know. So I, you ask me what what Stoops' biggest win is so far. You're right. Tennessee was depleted. As someone who grew up a Tennessee fan, a massive Tennessee fan, uh, this was never a game that was ever looked at. Now they do respect, you know, Kentucky more. Uh, they have to, right? I saw some good quotes today. Uh, from Tennessee players but through their media, a lot of respectful quotes towards Kentucky. Uh, and I think that's a, a tribute to their coach, too. He's a professional guy. He's not someone who's going to throw jabs. Yeah, they finally um, got that right. <laughs> you know, exactly right. When it's not needed, he's not he's not that kind of guy. And you got to respect that. But to me, as a as a lifelong Tennessee guy, that was the biggest win. Uh, to me, it was it was sweet to see. Uh, and tomorrow, obviously, would be just as big of a deal. But to your point, I've said to everyone around me the last couple of weeks, like, I think we learn a lot about Tennessee this weekend, regardless of, of what happens, because you have Georgia next weekend. And I can tell you already, they're already looking forward to, to Georgia. And I can tell you firsthand right now, not only their fans, but mainly their fans, they are looking forward to Georgia. Uh, I, I walk, I mean, you walk around, I, I can see it, right? Like where I live <laughs> right now, it's very, very obvious. Um, 
So I've said, I think we learned a lot about Tennessee as well, depending on what happens. Obviously, they come out flat. That kind of tells us a little bit. Uh, what worries me a little bit is, you know, the LSU game was sort of a trap game for them. Uh, yeah. it, they put 40 on Matt LSU. A different LSU team, though. You know, I think LSU puts up a little bit better fight if they played right now. Um, I still think it's a blowout, but I still I think it's a little bit better. Um, Maybe but, if that know, game was that night. Maybe if that game was that night, that's different. Very yeah. true. Very true. Very true. But, you know, that I was impressed because you had Bama next weekend. Yeah. Take, you know, they did not play down to the level of their competition. So I'm, um, I think there's definitely looking forward to Georgia and we'll see. You know, we'll see. Hey, uh, didn't y'all get a chance? I think, was it 2015? Kentucky went to LSU and played a seven o'clock game. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yep. that was one of those places I wish I would have, you know, got a chance to go, uh, go play. I know it's crazy down there, but. Yeah, that was my yeah my last year and LSU. Uh, I think I was you know Zadarius Smith's senior year, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, but it'd be, yeah, a crazy yeah. environment, crazy. But I, for, I forgot the Tennessee LSU game was not at night. That definitely plays a role for sure. I'm down here in Tennessee with you, Reese. So you're not alone, man. Why? Hey, look, pray for me because my family <laughs> we're having a big. Uh, you know, a big kind of Halloween football watch party. It'll be all Tennessee fans. I'm going to be the only guy there behind enemy lines. So, pray for me. Yeah, yeah. We all the time. And yep, I, was on, I was on a ESPN Chattanooga show earlier <laughs> in your hometown, man. So, yes, sir, man. I'm with Absolutely. <laughs> Reese, you mentioned, you know, Tennessee's play, players and coaches saying the right things about Kentucky. What? A, what's the – I mean, obviously, Tennessee is on Kentucky. There's no – no getting around it. What is their attitude towards Kentucky? Do they respect them at all? Or is it just like, like you said, they're looking forward to Georgia. They, they're not worried about losing this game. From a fan perspective, no, they don't respect Kentucky. <laughs> I didn't think uh, so. it, it's not even, it, it still is a lot of the same. I mean, growing up, it was always kind of like, look, Kentucky Vanderbilt are automatics. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And that, that obviously has changed. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, this is Stoops era, Kentucky. And, and you, you talk to Stoops, you talk to anyone who's played with him. No one cares about all that other stuff that happened because we weren't there. You know, we weren't around this, a completely different regime. So, uh, but to your question, absolutely not. No, there's zero respect. Uh, it's a little brother mentality there. You know, your best, your best team still can't beat us type of thing. Uh, yeah. It's straight disrespect. No doubt. Yeah. I went to the it was 98. I went to the Tennessee Alabama game in 98. And I got cousins there in Loudon right outside of Knoxville and I bore Kentucky stuff. And it was for once you, you had a few old guys say, Hey, we're, we're kind of worried about y'all. Cause that was a team couch squad and it wasn't just dismissive. So just to even have them say, we're worried about you was a little bit of respect from them. Cause it's always been that condescending. They look down their nose at Kentucky, like we do in basketball to everybody else. That's how Tennessee football does Kentucky and, and Vanderbilt, especially cause those, those wins are in ink on the schedule always. There's, and they're appalled when they even get a game from Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Well, you know, it's funny. I've I've gotten in recent arguments uh, about our, you know, the last, you know, however many years of us finishing in front of Tennessee, no matter if we won, we won or beat them, beat or lost to them, obviously. I get a lot more – there's a lot more Tennessee fans now, we'll say, that that talk about Kentucky. So it's a, it's a much more active topic now. It used to not be a topic. It now is a topic of – well, we still beat you with your best teams. And if you come back with, but we finish in the East better than you have the last, let's, I don't know how many years it's been now. So it's, it's sort of like, okay, well, is your parameter now beating Kentucky? Cause back in my day, 
we never looked at Kentucky. So it is changing in a bit. They don't want to admit it, uh, but they definitely talk about us more. There's no doubt about that. What's funny about that is I think their athletic director, Danny White, made a comment. I don't know if it was this week or before the season, whatever, that they would always wear orange and white when they played their rivals. And notice that they're wearing black this weekend and not wearing orange and white. They obviously wore the orange against Florida. They wore it against uh, Alabama. So that that kind of tells you what you need to know, I think. Which is funny because you talk about dominant series. I mean – what is Alabama and Florida the last 15, 20 years with Tennessee? Oh, it's my like, God. It's ironic those, yeah. because they look at it as like, hey, well, you're picking us as a rival because we are the bigger brother, which you could say the same thing. It's 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 very lopsided there, too. Yeah, and that's what I tell them. I was like, I said, Tennessee to me is like Alabama to y'all. And they're like, why do you hate us? So I said, well, you know, <laughs> take, that, take that Alabama streak and double it, and now you'll see how I feel about y'all. Last <laughs> last story that I will never forget, okay, my first time playing in Knoxville, uh, they brought – and I don't know if they always do this. I don't know. I think this is more just a disrespect to, K- to Kentucky, but they brought their band – while we were having morning, uh, like, you know, we get up, get up, have breakfast, have your morning meetings, and Stoops is running everything. They bring their band through the hotel and play Rocky Top the whole time. And I've every, heard they've and done that. In the lobby, playing it while we're sitting in there trying to meet and stuff. It was just a crazy experience, and I can never forget that. So That's, that's mad disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, that, mad that disrespectful, is disrespectful, man. Crazy. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been seeing a lot more uh, Tennessee plates and stuff around here where I am. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. They, they got to – either way it go, man, I'm just looking forward to watching a great game. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's something to be said about an underdog. You know, again, you know, Stoops, and y'all heard me say this on here before a couple of times. Stoops, I don't know what he does, but he always finds a way to make the other team's yep. quarterback play very bad against him. Uh, so, you know. Who knows? It may not be. It may be one of those games that knock uh, Hendon Hooker out of that Heisman thing a little bit or knock him down some. Um, they can create some turnovers or, you know, kind of stress him out a little bit. So we'll see. I think at the end of the day, uh, you're going to get two, you know, two good teams playing really good football. Uh, so that that's what we're looking for. Hopefully we can hopefully we can make that thing blue. And honestly, I mean, it was surprised that the nation, especially with them beating Alabama. But I don't think it wouldn't surprise us if they went down there and pulled an upset. I mean, the, the pieces are in place. They haven't all played and clicked in, in, you know, special teams, offensive line, things here and there, sputtering. But the pieces are in place for them, you know, you should have beat Ole Miss. We already yep. know. You know should have beat South Carolina without Levis. We already know that. But the pieces are in place for them to go down there. The nation will be like, oh, my God, you know, Tennessee just beat Alabama, now they lose to Kentucky. But we wouldn't be flabbergasted like, oh, my goodness, they just beat Tennessee because, you know, they've been building and the the progress they made, we wouldn't be just shocked if it happened, you know. Kentucky's a team that, I mean, mean, obviously should have, could have, would have, but should have beat Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, easily a team that could easily – and I said this earlier in the season, like right after before the season started, like this is a team that could be undefeated going into the Georgia game. They, I said that earlier in the year. And they are a a quarterback injury and, uh, you know, uh, letting the guy get set away 
Yeah. Or seven yeah. other plays that would have won that game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like <laughs> that's how and that's how fickle it is, and that's why, and that's why these coaches are wired the way they're wired, man. Because you can't take a day of playoff. But I will say that y'all heard it here first. Watch special teams on Saturday. Yeah. Watch special teams. I'm telling you, watch special teams. Special, special teams is going to be because at the end of the day, you got a team who you want to keep them keep their offense off the field. Uh, so watch, <laughs> watch special yeah. teams Saturday. I really do believe something crazy. Yeah, that that is one area where they haven't like you know Tennessee's offense. We know what they are. They are the run defense is elite. Uh, they're. Special teams is nothing. They really haven't done. They have one really good kick return on the whole year. That was against LC, went for 58 yards. Uh, they're one of the few teams in the SEC that hasn't blocked a kick this year. Um, you know, their punters barely punted. So maybe uh, you can get in and block one of those. But uh, their field goal kicker, you know, hit that little knuckleball that went through against Alabama. But he's, you know, he's missed uh, from 40, 48, 46, and 51. So he's not perfect by any means. So yeah, well, need Matt Ruffalo to put his kicks through. But uh, uh, yeah, Barry on Brown, man, uh, this is a game. If you're ever going to get another touchdown from him, uh, this is it right here. And the, yeah. also the, the kicker missed the extra point against Alabama. He missed That's the extra right. point. Against, he missed one against UT Martin as well. Um, yes, he did. So he all he, he has a habit of his kicks are really low to start. So that uh, Alabama kick was the luckiest kick I've ever yeah, seen. I think it, I think I think it was tipped personally, but uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm telling you, I just got a feeling that it's going to be like one of those weird games where it's not going to be as high scoring as people think, and it's going to be some spooky that, on Halloween weekend <laughs> special teams. That, well, there that is happened. there is a stat that uh, Cole Kublik. Kublik uh, put out today that I found pretty interesting where, you know, Kentucky has not given up more than 24 points in their last 11 games. So the last team to do that was Tennessee 45 last year. And then, you know, on the, on the contrary, in, in Tennessee's the last 11 games, they've scored at least 30. So uh, something's got to give one way or another. Nope. Nope. Absolutely. But, and you talked about how fickle it was, you know, as far as Kentucky could be seven and Oh, no. As as much as Tennessee jumped on Alabama, you know, up 21-10, Alabama gives them another possession by trying to field a punt. And, you know, it was another possession Tennessee shouldn't have had. Alabama still came all the way back and was driving to kick a field goal to win it and should have got homeboy closer to give him a better kick, and Alabama still wins. The pit game was very close. Tennessee's a hair away from 5-2 yeah. and, and looking a whole lot different perception-wise by the whole country, but you know, that's how yeah. thick it is. Y'all talking there's a com there's a common denominator though, and I, I don't know if I hit that stat earlier in the show, but you know, the two lowest scoring games for Tennessee were Pitt, which is their lowest 34. Crazy, that's their low, and then 38 against Florida. Both of those games, the deep opposing defense had three sacks. I mean, when teams are getting pressure, I mean they're not limiting them because they're in the 30s, but that's where their lowest totals have been. So I think if you can mix that pressure with, you know, maybe winning the time of possession battle where, you know, we talked about earlier, the importance of mixing tempo and also, you know, controlling the cock clock and having those 10 play drives. I mean, yeah, that's a recipe that could work. Uh, if you, <laughs> you need, uh, you need those type of things to go your way. Uh, if you're going to, you're going to be in this one. Well, man, Reese, um, 
I mean, we know Jalen does his thing. He got his coaching and training. You got QB country, man. Tell us about what you're doing. Uh, QB yeah, man. Chattanooga, man. Yeah, so I joined a company. Uh, it's our 12th location. I joined, it was, it was last May uh, when I opened it up. I was still, I lived in Nashville for the last few years uh, after I graduated uh, from the University of Montana and finished up there. And I uh, was in Nashville, came back home, uh, took some time away from ball after injuries and stuff like that with football and uh, got connected with QB Country. They were founded, founded really uh, around the time we were probably at Kentucky, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Uh, so they've been around 10 plus years, a little bit, uh, 12 locations. It was founded by David Morris, who was, is kind of famously now Eli Manning's backup at Ole Miss during that time. And, uh, you know, a brand I knew about really as I, as I was getting recruiting, you know, the, the, the private quarterback training thing was really like when we were at Kentucky, because I remember that was uh, Whitfield, right, out in California, yeah. he was kind of starting that movement. And uh, you didn't really see it a lot until then. But uh, awesome, awesome company. Like I said, 12th location, mainly in the southeast. Uh, we got one up in New Jersey, but just an awesome brand. I mean, obviously, the numbers stick for, you know, speak for themselves. You got, you know, I can list off a bunch of different guys, but uh, it's private quarterback training and uh, it's awesome, man. It's been going for about a year and a half here in Chattanooga. Work a lot with, uh, and hopefully we'll expand into Knoxville for myself, but working with a lot of, obviously, Chattanooga, a lot of North Georgia, a lot, which has great quarterback talent uh, and just football in general in that area. And uh, it's been awesome, man. It's been good to kind of get back into the game. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Had to go back. Well, first of all, tell us Bill, about Montana too. You you go to and go yeah, man. the big sky country and, and out there, man. Man, it was, I tell you, it was, uh, of course, you know, my last year I had, you know, two bad injuries, obviously in college. My one at Kentucky was an Achilles rupture. Um, I didn't want to leave Kentucky. You know, I loved Kentucky. Uh, I was, you know, that was the Dawson era. And, and at that point I had been through so many different OCs and uh, I just, with the injury, it was like, man, I, I think I need a fresh start. Right. And um, so I left, went to Montana, was the coolest thing in the world, man. It was a great experience. Uh, I remember, you know, Shannon Dawson is really the one who got me hooked up at Montana and honestly was a big proponent to me, uh, not transferring, but helping me in that part, you know, getting hooked up with different coaches and stuff. Awesome guy, helped me out a lot. You know, he called me and was like, hey man, like, I was talking to some different local schools, but I didn't want to come back to Chattanooga yet. I wanted to do something extremely different. And uh, Shannon was like, man, what do you think? You know, I know Bob Stitt really well. Montana at the time was the coach. Like, what do you think about Montana? Like he was like, it's place you're, you can take a year to kind of rehab that injury some more. They got a good senior quarterback. Uh, so you can kind of sit, learn some more. And you're the guy senior year. It's all you need is one year out there. And I was like, man, I didn't even know where Montana was on a map, to be completely real with you. I, I hung up. I was like, Shannon, let me call you back. I looked it up. Now, I called him right back and was like, man, let's do it. Screw it. Like, I'll, I'll go check it out. <laughs> Went out there for one visit and loved it. Um, I got spoiled, you know, by the SEC and the attention and, and the feel of football. And uh, at that level, in my opinion, that is one of the best places you can play to get that same type of feel and passion, you know. And um, it was a great experience, man. I, I loved it. Yeah, I was always, I always, uh, you know, wanted to ask you, you know, kind of how was, how was that? Because I know it's a lot of wildlife, obviously up there. I'm sure y'all ain't gonna tell them what y'all see up there. Well, so, um, you know, Jalen knows I'm not really, I've never really been an outdoorsy guy. Uh, that was never, that was never really my mo. So I was like, you know, I just, I wanted to do something that was a, that was even bigger than football. You know, I wanted to to be away from my family and kind of be solo dolo and 
get new friends and just kind of like, hey, you got this is a fresh, fresh start um, and take advantage of it. And man, you know, Jalen, if you would have seen, we were out with cliff jumping, we're, we're camping, <laughs> where, I mean, because there's literally nothing else to do out there but football and outdoors and drinking beer, if we're being honest. So <laughs> like that was, that's what it was. And it was a cool culture. And uh, the guys are just, they're such down to earth people out there, obviously very much smaller than Kentucky, uh, but the passion was just the same. And uh, so lots of, you know, floating on the river, lots of different stuff we did not do at Kentucky, but it was, it was uh, an awesome little change of pace for sure. That's good, man. That's good. Dig, dug through the bio, man, and it said that um, if, let's see, if it's not for football that you wanted to be an actor man so what 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 type of role would you would an you actor wow that that's got to be like my early kentucky day <laughs> <laughs> i'm like an actor that's funny man you know i just um i don't know you know i, I always want to do a lot of different things i was always in entertainment you know i was a i was a media um a, a media uh, major at kentucky a um and so i was always into broadcasting stuff like that um, then when I went to Montana, I was a part of their journalism school, which is a little bit different, but, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I always was into, you know, that side of, of kind of the game and, you know, that part too, I always thought that was really cool and always, res- and always respected and appreciated the media and kind of what they did. And, and, uh, I don't know, I, I, that's probably where that came from. I was, I said, that's gotta be like freshman year in Kentucky. <laughs> like, Cause I, you know, I graduated high school early and came. So I'm like, that might've been. Right, you know, when I was 18, fresh from high school. Randy Sanders recruited you, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I never forget one day we were in the meeting room. Um, and you know, we used to practice my freshman year, the year before you got there, we used to practice in the morning. So yeah. we had meetings at like, you know, 6.45, something crazy, you know, on days we practiced. Um, I mean, days we met before practice in the morning. And I remember he was in there watching uh, like film of, quarterbacks that he was recruiting at the time and he was like he was like man I really like this kid he showed us your film he was like what, what y'all think and obviously you know he was like well obviously he can throw the ball uh and at that time I mean shit man you're trying to replace us I'm not really about to say anything <laughs> right yeah I'd be like what what kind of question that? <laughs> yeah, they're trying to bring somebody in to replace me I'm not you know, I'm not about to go too hard on the call yeah, he's all right you know he's whatever he's cool he's all right but uh yeah. But yeah, I, th- I just thought it was cool, man. Because uh, again, I and people know I, I like Randy Sanders, man. I, I really do. Good dude uh, was always very, very honest with us. Very honest. I'm sure Patrick Toes, Max, you know myself. I'm sure we all got our own stories of of Coach Sanders being extremely honest with us. Uh, <laughs> but he was also really like you know that he cared though. Like he's a good dude, um, and you know he it was always fun, but. Yeah, I just remember. I just remember that day vividly of him. You know, he was actually talking about you too. He was like, "Man, I like this kid." He was like, "He's going to be." I think he'll be a really good player. And um, well, you know, that's that's Signal Mountain, Signal Mountain, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and, you know, that was that was the Tennessee tie. That was a big reason why I came to Kentucky was Randy. And you know, I grew up with him on the sidelines of Tennessee and kind of you know seeing. So that was a big, big, big piece of that for me was Randy. Uh, it worked out though. You know, I love Randy. I was really, I was really, really happy. I'm sure you too, Jalen, his success at ETSU. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that was awesome, man. Obviously I didn't get to play for him, but I loved coach Sanders. He was an awesome guy, but honestly for me, I mean, it, it was being able to go to Montana and that offense, that was because 
Brandy didn't stay and Neil was there, then Shannon, I kind of got to ride that wave, the same offense. I am, I'm kind of thankful for that in a way. Yeah. He, and I actually, you know, uh, the kid that's at Tennessee right now, the quarterback that I coached, uh, Gaston Moore. Yeah. In, in high school, he was getting recruited by ETSU and Randy Sanders was recruiting him. So I got a chance to go to ETSU cool. with him and, and see Randy and, uh, kind of see the campus. They got a little neat little setup over there. Uh, kind of out of the way a little bit, ETSU, but yeah. uh, he actually won a couple conference championships too, so. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. It's fun, Jill, it's funny you brought up this question I want to ask both of you guys. Now with college football with the transfer portal, you have in Kentucky's current situation, Levis is gone after this year. You have Kaya Sharon, you have Destin Wade, uh, Hogan's a walk-on, probably not going to get to start. What do you think they're thinking right now? Like, uh, obviously – They'll have – you would think those two, Wade and um, and Sharon, will at least have a chance to compete. But, man, from everything I've heard and everything that I think every fan knows, they're going to add a transfer this year, and it's probably going to be a name that is going to be good enough to, to start right away. Like, what is what is your mindset, man, when you, you kind of know they have to recruit a guy who's going to – and it's not going to be a replacement, but it's going to be a guy that you're going to have to eventually uh, compete with and probably have to sit behind, you know, just after you lose Levis. Yeah, I think uh, they'll definitely reach in the transfer portal um, because I do think, especially the quarterback position, is now free agency. It's the NFL. So with him running such an NFL offense, uh, you know, pro style, a lot of volume in his offense, he's gonna they're gonna reach in and try to get an experienced guy from somewhere, um, somebody with some uh, somebody who's willing to leave a middle of the a middle of the road. ACC, uh, a middle-of-the-road SEC school or, or PAC, whatever, somebody's going to, you know, leave and come to Kentucky to, you know, be the quarterback at Kentucky next year. Now, yep. whether he win the job or whatnot, you know, you, you hope – I mean, when you reach far in the transfer portal for a veteran guy, you hope that he does take over and win the job. But from what I've been hearing in camp, man, or inside of that camp as far as Kentucky football is concerned – is that the Wade kid is really impressive. People. Yes, um, yes, he is. I've been hearing that. So, um, obviously, Kaya Sharon has talent, um, and we'll never know how good he could be right now because he only really – I mean, the kid only had a couple snaps before he was thrust into a starting spot. Yeah, two snaps. Uh, yeah, so that's – it's, it's almost unfair to really judge him on that. But yeah. – um, but everybody on the roster is talented enough to run that offense, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Now, this is just from my perspective. Uh, but with, with Wade, you have a, 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 you know, you know, you'll have a philosophy change a little bit because at the end of the day, he's a young kid looking to run an NFL style offense. So you'll have to kind of, you know, slowly kind of ease him into that. Kind of similar to what I had to go through with Randy Sanders my freshman year. I mean, that was, I mean, I went from. I mean, in high school, we had a couple drop back pass concepts, you know, pretty much read one guy. And I had a great high school coach, uh, but the offense was really, really kind of static and it was really simple. Uh, but you get to Kentucky and, you know, I remember getting the playbook and I'll never forget my dad saw my playbook one day. I was home on break and he just first word was damn. <laughs> you know, he was like, <laughs> that was, that's what he said. He was like, I, you know, that's a lot. And I, I, I remember flipping through the playbook when I got it and just seeing like three different versions of slot <laughs> fade in the go in the red zone. 
And I'm Jeez. like, yeah, we got a slot fade where we turn here. We got, I mean, it was just so much different stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't, I mean, it's hard to prepare for that as a kid. So, and I say that to say they got a couple young guys on the roster who are able to be in the offense for a year, but at the end of the day, you can't replace game. You can't replace the game. I mean, you can't, it's no way as a coach, we try whatever we can do to put our kids in game situations. You just right. can't do it until you actually in front of thousands of people with the band, with pressure, you know, under the lights. You, I mean, you can't stimulate that. So again, I, I think they'll go in the portal. Um, and yeah. I think they'll grab somebody pretty good out of the portal. Cause yeah. and Rich was kind of Rich. Rich is doing. Oh a good yeah. Job. He's doing a good job recruiting at the podium. Whenever he's at the podium, he's, he's always saying mm-hmm. he was talking about Tennessee offense. It was like, yeah, they, you know, it's hard for NFL guys to kind of yeah. value and spread yep. guy because they're only doing so much. He said that Will Levis, these were his words. He said that Will Levis will go into the next level ready to play right now. Yes. Yeah, he did. Because he of did his, say that. Yep, he understands fronts, protections, route yep. concepts, what defenses are trying to do to him. Um, you know, again, he's calling two and three plays in the huddle as a college kid. So um, it's easy for a NFL pro or NFL organization to say, okay, this guy has been running the 49ers offense for a year already. And he ran the Rams offense for one year. So let's, you know, that's why I believe if he stays healthy and he finished the year pretty good, I do believe that he'll be the first quarterback drafted Uh, because he's, he's what, and I just saw a, 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 a kind of a quote kind of like liken him to Josh Allen. He com- actually will compare yeah. himself to Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's all it's all happening in a good way for him right now, as far as yeah. the momentum he's getting. Because you can't you can't replace playing for two NFL coordinators. No. And you know those two guys are gonna vouch for him when guy when they call Rich, when they call Liam Cohen, and you're like, look, 6'3, 230, he's competitive, he's he's a great leader, he can throw the ball through a brick wall. That's all they need to hear. Yep. You know, family background, they like to hear all of that stuff too. And from what I hear, you know, he has, he checked every box that they want to hear, every last yep. one of them. You know, so now do I, I personally believe that there's not a quarterback on the planet better than Bryce Young right now in college. Yeah. Uh, but Will Levis checked the NFL boxes. Mm-hmm. So I do believe he'll go first. So that's what, that's what Scangarello is going for in the transfer portal. Where's the 6'3, six, 6'4 six, guy? that can handle this volume, that has college experience. That's what they're going for, in my opinion. Well, I, I, I think you, you hit it, too, because it's like, hey, how do you – I think that, you know, originally it was like, hey, how do you manage as a young guy in the in the portal era knowing that pretty much every single year, especially at a place like in Kentucky, with what they're running that is so enticing for people who want to play in the league, every single year that's a threat and it's going to be that way. You know, back in our day, it was like, okay, we got a, a fr- he's a freshman. At least we got a couple of years, you know, he's going to have to get used to it. Now it's, you have to be, that's, but you hit it on the head. How do you manage that? He's managing it by exactly doing ways right now. You tell those young guys, one, beat them, you know, beat this guy. You can beat sure. him. If you don't beat him though, here's, you're only going to need one or two years with me. Right. Because now you have proof that that's all you really need. So it's that's how you manage those guys. And it's not going to be perfect. You're still going to have guys that are going to want to leave. But that's how you pitch it. Hey, this is a proven. You want to play in the league. This is where you're going to do it. If you want to go play in these offenses. I played in one in Montana where you're talking about tempo. 
it doesn't really matter what the defense is doing. And I loved it, you know, but if, if I was asked to go to the NFL, I'm going to really struggle because, again, we never really at Montana running that type of offense, which is very similar to Tennessee. When I watched them, it's like that's what we were doing. They take deeper shots than we were doing. We were definitely much more West Coast kind of, you know, tit for tat, throwing it around, and then we take some deep shots. They are kind of backwards. But that same philosophy of, hey, I just need to know a shell. Is it too high, one high? Okay, well, two high takes me here, one high takes me here. It's quick, right? We're not trying to decipher too much. That all doesn't always translate to the NFL. So that's you, you answered the question. That's how you, you try, anyway, to manage those young guys. It's like, hey, look, you're still really young. It's proven you're only going to need a year or two, and you're going to be so much more uh, marketable to the NFL yep. if you do that. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys have seen Twitter, but there's a name floating around there, and I can't confirm there's a rich Gangarillo connection and interest in DJ Ugalele from Clemson. Just going to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I feel so you. Just that. watch your film. So I'm just saying, I know you got yeah. all the film, Jalen. Uh, yeah. Just just get there. I'm just saying, once he hits the portal, because he's going to, you know, Cape Klubnik took over last week. Just get ready for all the hype, and yes, it's real. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think I think he, you know, he <laughs> he's complicated, man. He really, he really is. I, feel the same like, way. I see so much potential in him, but him just naturally just standing there spinning the ball, it's just you know it's going to be hard to get whoever comes out the levels is going to be you know, a, a uphill battle for him. At the end of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because, I mean, the way Stoops talk about him, I mean, and the way I know just catching the ball from him, again, you know, I've seen videos and I, you know, I, I call myself a quarterback coach, so I, I, I can see when I, I know when I see something pop mm-hmm. off on film. And it's just hard to replace that. Now, again, sure. you try, but, um, you know, we'll see. I just don't know if DJU is um, – just a, a natural, you know, spinner yeah. of football. Like that. No, and, and I think, I think, you know, obviously they're going to look beyond this, but it, it is with Rich Scangrello coming from the NFL and spending some of his off seasons working with these college kids or at the time, high school kids, there's a lot of guys he's connected to. Yeah. I mean, you look at the portal right now, there are only three names, the kid from Boise state, he coached. So one out of three, you know, there's already a connection. So guys like Ugalele, who he's coached with, you know, those connections are going to come, and they're going to come fast. And sure. I, I think really uh, it's going to be a guy he he knows already. And, you know, like you said, Jalen, someone who's going to fit that that mole of 6'3", 6'4", DJ 6'4", something like that. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's like a free agent market, right? It really is. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what route they go uh, when it's yeah. time. But. Watch, out, watch out for one of those guys at Georgia and one, yes. of, those, one of those guys at Miami. Watch, yep. Watch, watch yep. I agree with that. Yeah. You skeptical about DJ also, Reese? Yeah, I well, yeah, you're getting into my world of, you know, of course, I, I do live in the X's and O's world, not as, yeah. as much as Jay, and I'm a private quarterback coach, so I'm much more in tune with the mechanics, that kind of stuff. I always considered myself a very just kind of natural thrower. I think I think that's what it takes, man. It's like if that's something you struggle to throw a spiral, and I hate to be so elementary and kind of breaking down his game. No, like, you're right. <laughs> you struggle to throw a spiral. You can't give your guys catchable balls. That's like one-on-one stuff, and that screams at me. That that's that clearly is an issue. Um, and, but I'm with you. He is he's close. You know, he's he can do some good things. But that that wouldn't be my first pick personally. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Interesting. Interesting. 
Fellas, this has been a ton of fun, man. Reese, we have thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely gotta gotta have really you appreciate on. it. If you want to hop back on here with us sometime throughout the the rest of the season, man, appreciate you. Uh, Anytime, absolutely. And man, this was this was a ton of fun. Gotta talk about a sponsor real quick. Lots of rain watches. Uh, been a sponsor of this podcast from day one. Yeah, affordable watches for men, women. They got accessories. They got different bands you can get. Whatever you need, they got it. Go to lotorain.com. Dave and Ben will hook you up. Go to the website, la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. Hit them with a question in the chat. If you got a question or something you want to know about before you make a purchase, they'll respond to you in the chat. That way you're informed and know what you're buying. Lotorain.com. Tell them you heard about them by listening to the Believe in Kentucky podcast. Appreciate all the friends at Lotorain. Go to a sea of blue as well. They put each and every episode of this podcast up on their site. We appreciate Jason Markham and everybody putting Believe in Kentucky on a sea of blue for more members of BBN to peep out episodes of this podcast. We definitely appreciate it. Um, I said it on the ESPN radio Chattanooga, man. I, 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 I went with my heart. I'm saying Kentucky 40, Tennessee 37. That's what I told him. <laughs> went on the record, and so I'm I'm gonna stick with it, man. Forty thirty seven, Kentucky gonna find a way. Wow! And uh, you know, get through that first quarter, get punched in the mouth, withstand whatever storm Tennessee tries to come with. Forty thirty seven, Ruffalo hits a field goal to break. Oh, it. that's yeah. bold. That's the that might be more. That might be more, no offense to Matt. He's a great kid, but that might be more bold. Uh, more bold than the score prediction. <laughs> He was humming right along, and he just now he's hit that, that turbulence, it, man. That just the uh, point. I don't know. You know, it's it Stoops always compares it to a golfer. Like you know, it's just so hit or miss. It's funny how he not an analogy to me, but uh, yeah, man, that's bold. That's bold. That's it. Well, Ag man, be careful heading down to kneeling and getting up in that press box. Appreciate it. Be safe in chat, Reese and Chattanooga, Jg. Oh my ground. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Fellas, we definitely enjoyed it. And, and good to meet you, Reese, and have you on here for knowledge. And we'll be back on another episode uh, for Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow, Reese Phillips. My name is Vinnie Hardy. This has been Believe in Kentucky. And we'll see everybody next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.